Well, greetings, and thank you for joining me on this special episode of Deep in Scripture. I'm Marcus Grodi, the host for this program, as well as the president and founder of the Coming Home Network International. Uh, we're doing something special in this short edition of Deep in Scripture. It's a, a, a little message for Thanksgiving, if you will. And uh, what brought this as an idea was I was digging through some old tapes that I had in my archives, and I came across something we don't use anymore. It's called a cassette tape. In fact, I had to search far and wide to find a player, and I was not sure whether this old cassette would still work. And when I put the cassette into the player, I found that this was from a sermon that I had preached 35 years ago. I was two years out of seminary. I was an assistant pastor at uh, a Presbyterian church, actually not, not far from here, about 20 miles away from here uh, in Newark, Ohio. And I had been asked to preach the sermon for the ecumenical community Thanksgiving service on the Sunday night before Thanksgiving. And so what we're going to play now uh, in a moment is just a six or seven minutes, a snippet from that sermon that I preached. And it was a reflection on Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 4, a familiar passage. And then after you listen to this, uh, I'm going to say just a couple words of reflection afterwards. And, and let me say as, I, as you jump into this, I mean, this was 35 years ago. I was a bit younger. Uh, life was a bit different. Uh, but what amazed me as I listened to this sermon that I preached years ago is how much I still believe what I uh, boldly as a young minister preached all those years ago. So listen to this, and then I'll come back in a moment for some reflection. The good news for us this evening before Thanksgiving, the Sunday evening, comes from Paul. He tells us something very challenging. He says, have no anxiety about anything. Don't worry at all about anything whatsoever. Paul made this challenge long ago to some of his Christian friends who may have found this to be very difficult advice. For they were the first generations of Christians struggling under the impact of their new religion, trying to live its ideals while suffering both verbal and physical abuse from friends and foe alike. In fact, many of these faithful friends of Paul would eventually suffer martyrdom for their faith. And yet Paul challenged them to have no anxiety about anything whatsoever. And indeed, Paul wrote this very statement while he himself was in chains while he was suffering persecution for spreading this strange new religion. Yet through all this, Paul still felt confident enough in God's faithfulness to tell his friends, don't worry about anything at all. They were not to be overly concerned about their future plans, about their finances, about their health. They were not to be consumed with worry, especially over the things in their lives in the past, present, or future, which were completely out of their control. Instead, Paul encouraged them 
In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. His friends, and we too, were to give all of our cares to God. We're to let go. To free ourselves from whatever things of this world we might be clinging tightly to for security and allow God to do in our lives what He has promised to do. Now Jesus had said this very same thing long before Paul in his Sermon on the Mount. He said, do not be anxious about your life, what you should eat or what you should drink, nor about your body, what you should put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let today's trouble be sufficient for today. And his key point was to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be yours as well. Here our Lord laid the foundation for what Paul would later say. We are not to be consumed with worry about the things of tomorrow, but rather trust tomorrow to God's providential care. And Paul gave a second reason in this same paragraph that's a little less noticeable. It's kind of hidden in there, and it's usually skimmed over pretty quickly and sometimes missed. Paul wrote that we are to have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, to let our requests be made known to God. The second reason, or let's say the prerequisite to being able to have a life without anxiety, involves an attitude of thanksgiving. I suppose Paul could have written this paragraph without including that little phrase. He could have written it this way. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. He could have written it that way. But Paul recognized the absolute necessity of having an attitude of thanksgiving as a prerequisite to being able to let go and trust God. And it seems that Paul had great insight here. Isn't our own ability to do what Paul and Jesus are asking of us to do somehow based upon the inner attitudes that we each have towards life? Upon how we choose to view our problems, how we choose to view the crises that we face, upon how we feel inside about the things that have happened to us in the past or the things that are happening to us right now. Our attitudes whether they're positive or negative, determine how free we are to either trust God or to continue to cling to the things or people of this world for security and comfort. But Paul added that key word of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, that's an attitude of looking at the past positively, gratefully remembering God's work in our past and in the lives of others. It involves giving God the joyful recognition for His blessings and guidance, His salvation, and also for His discipline, for His fatherly care in our life. And thanksgiving also involves changing our negative views of the past. Forgiving and forgetting the hurts and the failures of others and of ourselves and allowing God to bring healing to those relationships. 
Thanksgiving involves standing side by side with God and looking at all of life with Him from His perspective and then giving Him the praise, Him the thanks for all that you see. Therefore, Paul and Jesus were saying this. They first said, look around you. Look at the order, the completeness, the beauty of the world that you see. And also look at all the blessings that you've received in your life. And then recognize the reality of God's love and care in everything that you see. He is intimately involved in everything. And recognizing also the nearness of Christ's presence in our lives. You know, He said that He would abide in us if we would abide in Him. From this we are then to develop, to insist in our hearts, an attitude of thanksgiving about everything. It was 1985 when I preached that sermon, November 1985. I was 33 years old, two years out of seminary. And I try and imagine myself as a 60-year-old man sitting in the congregation listening to this young whippersnap have the audacity to be telling me with all that goes on in my life and is all, all the stresses and problems in the world, telling me to have no anxiety about anything. And a lot of things have changed in our world since 1985 to this time when I'm speaking to you in the year 2020. A lot of things have changed in my life. When I preached that homily, I was still single, 33 years old. But it wouldn't be long within a year of that that I'd already met my future wife, Marilyn. Within a year, we were married. I became the solo pastor of a small little church, country church. Uh, ended up having three sons, John Mark, Peter, and Richard. Went on to become a senior pastor of a large church. And then in time, my family and I left our Protestant world and became Catholics. And then from then on, I had the opportunity to serve in a variety of apostolates with Franciscan University, started the Coming Home Network International, I had the great privilege of being invited by Mother Angelica to host the Journey Home program on EWTN, which I still do after all these years. We moved out to a rural country. We, we built a house on a part of my wife's family century farm. Uh, we've done all kinds of things on the farm. Our, my oldest son, John Mark, has gotten married and has a family, works for the Coming Home Network. Peter has become ordained a priest. Our son Richard, in his mid-20s, is uh, working for me part-time, still trying to figure out his life. And we think about all the things that have changed in our world since 1985 to this year, 2020. How many crazy things have changed in our culture, changed in our church, changed in our world. Things that we couldn't imagine have entered our life back in 1985. And the fact that we have to wear masks just to leave our house to go to a restaurant. Uh, we couldn't imagine that. 
So what about this message to have no anxiety about anything? And the truth is that what most amazed me when I heard this sermon again after all these years is that I still believe exactly what I preached 35 years ago. I just recognize how much I haven't followed that advice, but I believe it deeply. I, it's the reason that it, it, it guides so much of what I at least try to do by grace as a husband and as a father, as a leader, and in any opportunity I have to proclaim the gospel in whatever medium God allows me to do that. It comes down to truly that one challenge for us to trust God in everything. And again, when we look at all that goes around in our life, all the things that we're facing right now, even as I do this short taping, we don't know what our, what's going to happen in our political world, uh, in our culture, in our church, just in the time that it takes for me to tape this and for it to, to arrive on the internet for you to watch. But that call from Christ still applies to have no anxiety about anything. And that's tough because anxiety is very much a part of our emotions. And it's hard to control our emotions. We can willfully put that aside, but it, it keeps popping up in our life when we're faced with all the issues. I, I'm 68 years old. I'm facing issues that it never crossed my mind to think about when I was 35 and single. So how do I not have anxiety? Well, that's why Paul put that key word in that passage, that the importance of thanksgiving, because thanksgiving is not so much an emotion as it's an act of the will. It's an attitude we choose. It's something we choose to recognize. Even when we look through all the stuff, all the voices in our life, all the mistakes we've made over the years, we look for, a, it's a choice to be grateful for God's mercy, for his guidance, for his generosity, his providence, in fact, just our ability to recognize God's presence in these things that have happened to us or that are happened to us, our ability to see that is a gift of grace, which we need to be thankful for. It's, just, it's a chicken and an egg thing, if you will. Grace or being thankful, grace being thankful, grace that God gives us to empower us to be thankful, grace that he gives us that empowers us to cut through all the anxiety so we see his face. That's the call. That was what our Lord and what St. Paul were calling us to. As a young man, I look back. I'd preach that sermon word for word today because I believe it's true. Not because I was so smart, but because by grace, scriptures help us recognize the importance of this in our troubled life. What did those scriptures say again? What did they say? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, number one, seek first his kingdom. 
number two, and his righteousness. These are acts of the will. Seek first his kingdom with all the things in our life, all the voices, the worries, the anxiety. Seek first his kingdom, which means his rule that we are a part of by grace as his adopted brothers and sisters through baptism, through faith. We are part of this kingdom. So our focus is on that kingdom that is very much present in this world, his, his rule in the midst of all the stuff going on. Number two, seek his righteousness. In other words, Lord, by your grace, help us to be like you. Help us to turn from sin, from all the attitudes that pull us away from you, to be like you, to live out the fact that we were created in your image by your grace. Help us to be that way. He says, be not, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. We can't do anything about that. But let the day's own trouble be sufficient for today. That's that, that wonderful call that the saints constantly bring back to our attention the, the moment right now. doesn't mean that we don't do what we have to do to plan for our family's welfare tomorrow. But, but to recognize that today, right now, is the, the challenge that we have before us that he's given us grace to face in our life. Then how did Paul take that teaching from Christ and then through his homily in that letter, preach it to those Christians at Philippi, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's an attitude of thanksgiving. Rejoice. Recognize God's presence. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is very present. Of course, as the homilies in the, in the last couple of weeks of Masses have reminded us that Christ is very close to us in this, our life, so we are to be ready. Every day possibly might be the day we meet our Lord. So we are to uh, recognize that the Lord is at hand. Then he goes on, have no anxiety about anything. Just repeating Christ's words. Have no anxiety about anything. But then Paul went on. He took the, the other things that Christ had taught in the Sermon on the Mount and brought it all together. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. So we're to seek his kingdom. We're to seek righteousness by grace. We're to, by grace, uh, resist that attitude to get caught up in worry. And then we are to turn forthly in prayer. That is such an important willful act in which we cut through all the stuff in our life to lay it before our Lord. Prayer and supplication. Supplication means asking for God's help, asking for his wisdom, asking for his guidance. Uh, let your requests be made known to God, he says. He's there wanting to hear from us in the midst of our worry. But he says, fifthly, to make sure you do this, again, as I said in that sermon, with thanksgiving, recognizing that everything we have comes from him. Everything in this world 
comes from him. All the technology at the core of it is from the gifts he's placed in our creation. We didn't create anything. We just took what God gave us and then tried to be good stewards of it. When we look at it, how it's abused in our culture, we'll stand before God for our abuse of his creation. But we are to be thankful for these gifts that he's given to us, and Lord, help us to use them responsibly. It's this attitude of thanksgiving that enables us to keep our eyes on the kingdom, to keep our desires to grow in righteousness, to, to not worry about tomorrow, to offer it in prayer, supplication, because of this attitude of thanksgiving. Lord, it's all because of you. It's all from you, in you, through you, for you, because of that. And then there are some promises. And I'll end with these. First, our Lord gave a promise. Back in that passage where he talks about having no anxiety, he says that all these things shall be yours as well. What did he mean by these things? The context, he's talking about food and clothing and the needs of our life. He says that if we put our focus on the kingdom and on righteousness, not getting caught up in worry, trusting God, being thankful, coming to him with prayer and fasting and, and almsgiving, that's also in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. He says that our needs will be met, like God meets the needs of the birds and, the, and creation. Our needs, not necessarily our wants. I think we live in a soup of materialism that we're really blind to how much we, we confuse our needs with our wants. Our needs are very, very, very small. It's our wants that swamp our lives. But he says that if we choose through intellect and will and the aid of grace to focus on the kingdom and growing in righteousness, not getting our overwhelmed with worry, but trusting him with an attitude of thanksgiving, laying it before him in prayer, that what we need will be given to us. And again, if we we find that we're in a time of our life when even our needs are being met, he still is saying, be thankful, trusting, leaving tomorrow to him, to give him the opportunity to provide the needs that we and our family have. Not necessarily, again, our wants, but our needs. And then, finally, going back to that Philippians passage, if we follow Paul's advice, rejoicing in the Lord always, having an attitude of, of joy in Christ, not getting caught up with anxiety, turning it all to prayer with an attitude of thanksgiving, he makes his promise. And we've heard this verse, all of us, many times, in the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Well, that's a gift of grace, a gift of the Holy Spirit, something that we receive passively. But we have to get out of the way. All of our anxieties, all of our self-focus, all this stuff closes the door to the peace he wants to give us. But if we focus on these things that we've been encouraged to do with an attitude of thanksgiving, laying it before God with prayer, not only does he promise to give us the things that we need, give our family the things that we need, but he promises to give us peace. 
peace, which really is an intimate relationship with him. That's what true peace is, an intimate relationship with our Lord. And maybe I'll just go on a little bit and then close because he says, Paul goes on. He says, finally, brethren, all this that I've said, here's what Paul says. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, with all that we've said, this is how we are to focus our life, on these things, as an individual, as a couple, as a family, as a church. These are the things, and in the midst of all these things is our Lord and Savior in his love for us. During this time of Thanksgiving, I do pray that by his grace, we can have this attitude of gratefulness that will then feed all these other actions and attitudes that we are to have as we seek by grace to live in Christ. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.